Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you. But you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Johnston Dugama, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. My guest grew up in England. She moved to Australia 19 years ago to find herself and create freedom. She was also looking for her place in the world. She worked in the advertising industry for over 20 years. She said that the advertisement industry is a fast-paced, brutal, and highly toxic industry at times, especially as a woman. After becoming burned out, deeply dissatisfied with her life and losing her passion for an industry that she once loved, she retrained herself in 2020 as a life and mindset coach. And now she's helping women in a corporate world bring their whole slaves to work without being afraid. In 2020, she retrained as a life and mindset coach. And now she's helping women in a corporate space bring their whole selves to work without being afraid. In our conversation today, we're going to talk about bullying and harassment at work. Thank you and welcome Rachel Lounds to the Driver's Seat Club. Yes, hello Valerie. Thank you for inviting me onto this amazing podcast. I think the work that you do is fantastic. Yeah, so today I wanted to talk to you about how in my former career, which was advertising, that I was bullied and harassed, particularly in my last role. And I think that bullying and harassment for women in media is not an uncommon thing. A lot of people would have experienced it across their career. Particularly for me in my last role, I experienced it in quite a dramatic fashion from two of my leaders and uh, The actual kind of fallout from that was quite damaging for me on a personal level. What do you mean about damaging uh, for you on a personal level? If Could you explore? And I mean, I was going into advertising 20 years ago. I was quite confident. I've always been quite a confident, kind of outspoken, uh, lively person. I'm not afraid to use my voice and um, quite happy to share my opinions. But in my previous role, there was quite a lot of leadership changes within that company and the final set of leadership change, I was sidelined because I wasn't obviously liked very much by the the new leaders. And um, the result of that was I was actually sidelined from my role. So I was quite senior in the company and um, I was actually sidelined from being like an operations manager to a PA. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a PA, but I didn't want to be a PA. That was not what my career path was. So 
having received like a job, uh, a, an email with a job description saying I've needed to now be a PA without being consulted, for me, it was quite rude and offensive, actually, because, you know, like being a senior person in, in a company, you kind of expect to be treated with a little bit of respect. And so that was kind of quite alarming and, and also quite shocking because uh, I felt really quite emotionally upset by that, that I would be treated in such a way. So I didn't feel like I'd done anything wrong to deserve it. And I had a male boss who was actually quite um, aggressive towards me as well. So he would quite often shout at me in across the office in front of people. And do you know why would he do that? Like it just target you or? This person's particularly known as being a bully in the industry. So I don't think it was uncommon behavior. But I have not experienced anything quite like that in my career, particularly not from someone that I usually would work quite closely with in the office space. I think it was a form of control. That's the only thing I can think it could possibly be because he was new in the role and therefore perhaps was trying to kind of stamp a bit of authority. But that doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, shouting and, and belittling people is not a way of using authority or leadership. That's just being a bully and actually to me shows a little bit of insecurity within them. But of course, this was quite alarming for me and caused me quite a lot of distress in the workplace. And I mean, it didn't just happen once, it happened on numerous occasions and in front of other people in the office, which embarrassed me as well, because I was a senior manager. And I was embarrassed by being spoken to in such a way. And he treated me very differently from other people in the office. And it wasn't just because I was a woman. It's just, he just did not like me for whatever reason. Yeah. So that was very difficult. And then there was a, another uh, manager, senior manager, who was a female, who seemed to side and support this type of behavior within this person, which was extremely shocking, considering the diversity conversation that we're having in this industry across globally, really, on a global level. So that was also quite hard. And uh, yeah, I kind of was subjected to quite a lot of different things that I have never experienced before in my life. So yeah. How long did that last it like for you to experience this uh, harassment and bully? It was eight months in total. Eight months. Yeah. And, and how did you feel the fact that another woman was actually supporting that behavior from your boss? Well, I was hugely disappointed, to be honest, because... There's not enough female leaders as it is. And then to have a female leader that basically doesn't support you as another female in the business is hugely disappointing because we want women to be up there for a specific reason. We don't want them to be up there acting like men. We're trying to break the patriarchy down, not support the patriarchy, which is what this appeared to be. And I wasn't alone in experiencing this type of behavior from this particular person and not just as a, a woman I mean there were other women other men it was a very strange form of leadership which I found confusing as well wow and Rachel what happened next because you lasted for eight months so what was the turning point for you to say oh my god I have to get out of there <laughs> I'm a slightly stubborn person and so I had the sense that they didn't want me there but I was determined to not be forced to resign. It's quite traditional in ad agencies to make people redundant, even if the job is not redundant itself. They generally mask it as a restructure. 
it's just a nicer way if you don't want people there it's just a nicer way to get rid of people you just you say thank you okay. here's some money goodbye <laughs> yes. and so I was kind of angling for that route rather than leaving yes and the reason was because I think over time because the, the bullying and the harassment was starting to chip away at my self-esteem my confidence it was December by the time I left that I wanted to take a bit of time off and I thought well summer's coming I'll take summer off it's a nice time of year to take off there's not many jobs around, you know, I'll just take a bit of time out and relax and just kind of yes. recover from that scenario. However, things didn't quite work out like that. Okay. <laughs> so what happened? Um, it's quite shocking, actually, what actually happened. Um, I was invited to an industry lunch and I go to this industry lunch every year. It's a networking event. There's no reason why I shouldn't be able to go to this lunch. It's, uh, you know, people go. And I was told by the male boss that I couldn't go. I wasn't allowed to go, which I felt was, A, extremely unfair. And also, I didn't understand why. I actually asked my HR director and the CFO, who were I was quite friendly with and felt supported by, if this person could actually tell me I couldn't go to this event, if that was allowed. And I was told, no, he could not do that. So I went to the lunch. And in a conversation with him, I said, you cannot tell me where to go to lunch, by the way. I can choose to go to lunch wherever I want to in my lunchtime. I mean, yes, that's combative, but also I have to stand up for myself because, you know, this was continuing, continuing, continuing. And I just don't want to be walked all over and be a doormat. So anyway, I was encouraged to go to this lunch. I went to this lunch. He was not happy about me being at this lunch. He reported it back to the managing director, the female boss who then, when I got back to the office, and I was 15 minutes late back from lunch, pulled me into a meeting room, uh, asked me to explain myself, told me I was not supposed to go to that lunch, uh, that I was late by an hour, which was not true, and then followed up with telling me that she had wanted to find me to brief me on something, of which I replied, well, you didn't make a meeting with me. Most people make a meeting when they would like to talk to someone about something. That's kind of yes. standard procedure. Uh, and her reply was, I shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to talk to you whenever I want, which I thought was a bit alarming as a response. So I got briefed. And then that was followed up with an email telling me I had to ask for permission to leave my desk, which was the breaking point for me because not only was nobody else in the business had to do that, was asked to do that, but also I'm a senior member of staff So, and 45 years old. At what point did I get into a situation where I have to ask permission to leave my desk? That is ridiculous. And someone else had come to that lunch with me and they were not berated for being at that lunch or being late or told that they had to ask for permission to leave their desk. So it was discrimination. And I complained about that, at which point they went all in to try and get at me by making up spurious complaints and lies about me that essentially accused me of breaking uh, the code of conduct in the office. And how were you feeling by then, you know, like uh, personally as well, as you say, you were starting to lose a bit of your confidence. How was this all playing out for you, like around, at home, personally, professionally? The actual physical kind of 
aspect of it was that I was suffering from very severe insomnia, so I was barely sleeping. I was also suffering from panic attacks and had almost passed out a couple of times on the way into work from the panic attacks. Uh, I found it very difficult to even get on public transport without feeling very, like, anxious and overwhelmed. I wasn't eating, I was losing weight, I had, like... other stress symptoms were like very bad digestive problems, headaches because I was clenching my jaw all night, just from being really like on edge all the time. Like, what's going to happen next? I felt like when I described it to the HR director, I said, it's like coming into warfare every day in this office. You don't know who's going to attack you next. Wow. And that should not be a statement that anyone says to their HR director in the corporate office. So, you know, environment. So what did they respond to the HR when you say that? Did they support you or did they give you... No, they did nothing. They swept it under the carpet and actually used that phrase. Oh, we're not sweeping it under the carpet. I've raised issues. And yet everything that I had raised about being, you know, in terms of like what was happening on my side was ignored. It was ignored because I complained about the aggressiveness from from the male boss. And that was ignored. Nothing was done about it. I was told to just get on and work with him and just find a way. So I wasn't supported in any of that. So every turn, I had no support, no answer, no help. And what was the turning point for you to say enough is enough? After eight months, I'm not staying there. What was it? Because Well, (laughs) I got to the point where I went to my GP and I said, I don't know what's going on at work. I'm so stressed out. I just need you to sign me off until the end of the year because it was December and we had like maybe two weeks left at work. And I just said, I can't do it anymore. I just, I need some time out. I need to think about what's happening. So I got myself signed off for sick leave. And in that time, I had been given a warning at work for behavior that I had not done. I'd been accused of some very serious behavior, which had been backdated and all sorts of things were going on. They were really trying very, very hard to fire me. I then had to get a lawyer to protect myself. The turning point was that it was the, you need permission to leave your desk. That was the turning point for me. It's like, what? I am not going to work in a company where I am being told when I'm a senior manager at 45 years old, I have to ask for permission to leave my, I'm not a child. What is this? I found it really confusing That blew my mind. It's like, no, no, that's it. That's enough. Yeah. And what was the outcome, you know, like uh, when you had these two weeks off, you took your lawyer as well? Look, I got myself out of the contract voluntarily. There was an agreement made and I resigned in the end, which was the best thing for me to do. But also it was so distressing that I was really suffering from the signs of stress at this point. Once it was all kind of wrapped up, I could barely make a decision. I had no confidence. I had no self-esteem. I couldn't sleep still. I was barely eating. I couldn't even leave the house. I was so distressed by what had happened. And I felt like I was having a bit of a breakdown, to be honest. I just didn't really know what to do. I didn't know where to turn or what to do. And it was only because my GP was so supportive because throughout the eight months I had been to see him on a number of occasions about what had been happening at work and he documenting every single one of those and then in the end said to me, 
you need to go and get help. Like you cannot let this just lie. So I got referred to a psychologist. I worked with a therapist, my GP, and I also got myself a life coach. <laughs> wow. And how long did it take you, you know, like to just overcome all the post like it was just traumatic after the harassment and also the bully. It sounds like it was post-traumatic kind of disorder. I mean, I didn't do anything for about three months. I just went down to the beach. I meditated. I spoke to my family. I did my therapy and worked with my GP. And then I started working with the life coach after about three months. It was about six months in total it took me to just really rebuild back to myself after a very long period of time where I was just being chipped away at and chipped away at and chipped away at. Wow. And for you, uh, of having that experience, what was the takeaway from that? Because you said you're quite stubborn and you wanted to stay because you said, yes, I can fight that and I can make changes, but it didn't happen. So what was the takeaway from letting yourself going through this eight months of uh, terrible experience with, with this job? I mean, the takeaway for me is that I just don't think I could work in the corporate space again. But I say that now. I mean, it's still kind of hanging over a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I'm never working for anyone else again. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, it was very damaging. I mean, I tried to go back to uh, interviews after about three months and I was having panic attacks still just being even being in an office I knew then that I couldn't go back into a workplace for quite some time in in terms of working for somebody else so the takeaway for me was that it's not worth the fight sometimes it's just like pick up and leave you know <laughs> if you know it's not going well Don't be afraid to leave. I think I was afraid to leave because I thought there was nothing else out there for me. And that's because over time I had had my self-confidence chipped away. And so I started to believe that wasn't good enough, even for the job that I was in. Okay, that makes sense. So when you say that, so basically you had a bit of uh, lack of confidence before, and then you got attracted in a way by this job that just take away even more of your confidence. And then you left with basically nothing at the end when you left. Yeah, I think I got wrapped up in the fight in standing up for myself and making a point that I wasn't going to be treated that way. But actually, you kind of the fallout of that was that I was continuing to let myself be treated that way, even though I was fighting it. And I thought it was important to fight it at the time because I needed to know that I'd done as much as I could to protect myself, but actually... The opposite was true, <laughs> you know. So I learned from that is that you don't necessarily have to fight these fights in that way. You can actually fight them by walking away. Yes, that's a, such a good point because there is so many people, I'm sure, that are probably in that situation or have been in that situation and they don't really know if it's, I have to fight, I have to fight for my right, but is it really worth it at the end with the consequences of affecting your health, affecting everything around you. It's a choice, I suppose, that uh, people have to make and it's not easy to do. So do you feel like the fact that you had your GP that was very supportive, that was one of the key that helped you to take this, uh, this next step of deciding to leave? Yeah, he was 100% key in that because I think I was so deep in the woods, I couldn't really see a way out. 
And, you know, you need a sounding board sometimes. And that's why therapists, coaches, GPs are all, all there to kind of help you with that kind of thing. And I knew I wanted to leave advertising. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I certainly didn't want to be forced out by, by somebody else. You know what I mean? And so. Yes, I understand. I was planning to leave in 2020 anyway. I just wanted a bit more time to think about what that meant for me. But I wasn't given that opportunity. I was forced out essentially by the situation that was happening. But there's always a silver lining to every single situation, right? (laughs) What did you get out of all of that and where are you now? Being in the quagmire of the depths of that horror, actually when you look at it, I needed to do that to be where I am now because I would have just kept coasting along in an environment I didn't really enjoy being in anymore even though it was quite bad and detrimental to my health and everything at the time, I probably needed it to be that bad in order for me to finally make the changes that I needed to make. And that was to get out of the industry and start doing something else. And I knew I wanted to do something else. I just didn't know what that was. And so during that six months of recovery where I rebuilt myself through therapy, through working with my GP, super supportive, my family who are super supportive and amazing friends around me, you know, just kind of spitballing on what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something with positive psychology. I was really fascinated by it. Uh, But I just kind of didn't know where I was going with it. And then it occurred to me that if I was going to build a career, kind of working back from positive psychology degree, like where does it go? What does it mean? I landed on life coach. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. That's so good. (laughs) How did you land it like that on this? Well, because in my former career, I was kind of working with creatives and designers and all sorts of people across the agency. And a large portion of what I would do was actually be coaching internally. So I just hadn't recognized it for that being what it was. And so I kind of attached the two and went, oh, once I kind of started, you know, digging deeper into what life coaching is, it's like, oh, that makes total sense for someone like me, you know. So everyone would come to me for help and advice and solutions and, and all these kind of things. And so it felt like a natural step for me to take. So I got a life coach so that I could understand what life coaching meant, like being life coached. Um, yes. I started working with this amazing woman called Sarah Gilligan, who I'm still very good friends with now, and uh, signed up for an ICF accredited course here in Australia and studied that, Mm -hmm. passed that pretty quickly because I was super dedicated. How long did it take you? Two months. (laughs) I was like daily working, you know, 9am through to 5pm I would work and read and study and, and contemplate and think and, you know, really kind of get into it because I just felt aligned for me to do that and so... And once I'd worked with my life coach on the values and and what my priorities and goals were in life, it actually just felt even more aligned, which was like gave me so much purpose and clarity about what I wanted to be doing. So, yeah, I I kind of got into that and then um, sat down one day and thought, what could I call my business? I'm really into positive psychology. So I made up a word, poscology. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Positive psychology, yeah, so I've made up this word. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, and uh, I just called it the Postcology Collective. So why have I called it Collective? Uh, I just feel like I don't want to be like every other life coach out there, just calling my business by my name, like Rachel Lowndes Life Coach. I, I wanted it to be something that I could potentially make bigger down the line or collaborate with people or, you know, just I wanted it to be a bit more open. 
That sounds amazing. It sounds like you really turned things around. Going through that uh, very difficult and challenging experience actually has allowed you to find new, whatever it is, your way, your way of finding what you want to do. Yeah, it's completely changed my life, you know. So in some ways, yes, it was a bad situation. I also have it to thank for changing my life in a, in, from a very negative space to a very positive space. I mean, I absolutely love what I do now. I'm so passionate about it. And yeah, I kind of almost have that experience to thank for where I am now. <laughs> wow. So if you have to say anything, any advice or any tips or insight that you could give to people who are in that situation where they've been bullied or harassed in a business, in a company that they work for, what would you say to help? Yeah, I mean, if you're being bullied or harassed, it's generally not about you. It's about what the company or the people who are kind of representing that company it's more about them as people because they've got a problem with themselves that they're projecting onto you and trying to control people is about you trying to control everything around you and your destiny and that has a lot to do with how much self-love you have self-worth you have and uh, your own set of self-esteem values and so If you are subjected to that, then comes back onto you about what is your self-worth? How valuable are you to you? And how much faith do you have in yourself? And when you know that, you can then look at that behavior and go, that is not for me. I am going to remove myself from that situation and go and find a situation that does fit with my values and allows me to have self-worth and self-love and peace and happiness and clarity and all the lovely things that we want in our lives. That's amazing. For you now, how is your business going? How is being a coach now feeling like you are in the right place, would you say, of your life at the moment? Yeah. How is things going for you? Things are going really well. I mean, I love what I do. I'm super passionate about it. I mean, I focus, interestingly, back in on women in the corporate and media space. It's my mission to help women in media and corporate step up and have a voice and become confident influencers in their work and lives, their organizations and lives, and empower them to bring their whole selves to work without being afraid. Taking my own experience and helping people understand what that feels like and how you can solve it and then having those little mindset shifts that help build confidence and belief in self it just makes my heart sing it just really oh, that's makes amazing. my heart sing. yeah that's really amazing i'm going to ask you a question it may be inappropriate but i'm going anyway <laughs> When you were working the advertisement company and you had that uh, bully uh, boss, and then this is a woman as well, and she was supporting that bullying toward you. If today she come to you and ask you to coach her, how would you respond to that? I would probably say no, because the responsibility I have as a coach is that impartial, non-judgmental. And, you know, the ICF ethics and code of practice kind of really stipulates that as part of being a coach. And I just don't know if I could be that with her. And I then would think that that personally for me and from an ethical practice would not be the right thing to do. So I would probably say it's great that you want coaching. I think that's a wonderful thing that you're into self-development and you want to improve yourself don't think that I would be the right person for you but could I recommend some other options for you and that's how I would handle that conversation 
Okay, thank you, Fonsoy. I hope it wasn't too much of a question. It was in the back of my mind and I said, I have to ask. Thank you for asking it. Because <laughs> you turn around and you make things happen for you and then you basically you got back into the driver's seat of your life. And, yeah. and that's really important. Mm. And that so many women, we know we, we hold back and we feel that, as you said, we, we don't have the confidence and we feel like we have to accept second best, basically, but we don't. No. And that's such a great thing. Yeah, it's mm. very easy as a woman to kind of you know, pipe down or keep quiet or be afraid to speak up. And you see it everywhere. You see it in meetings. I mean, I read an article today about uh, a woman, a female boss, very senior in the advertising industry, talking about how women are quite often left to pour the water in the meeting room and clean up the plates and the biscuits afterwards, you know. And it's like, yes, it's it's so common that we kind of take on that responsibility and feel like when we want to speak up that we can't because we might be judged or rejected or laughed at or any of these things because it does happen but the thing is your opinion is just as valuable as anyone else's anyone else's and so you should be allowed to have the space to do that and um, one of the things that I said to one of my clients recently was she's talking about going into presentations and finding herself getting quite nervous and I said, look, remember at the end of the day that you're the expert on what you're talking about in this situation. And these people are there to receive what you're saying. That's it. And when I said that, to, and that's a mindset shift. That's a little mindset shift. And she said, wow, I had never thought about it like that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And we forget that. That's so, so good. Thank you. And I had this client, he was telling me he's working in a bank and he's in a high position. And he said there was women as well that work within this team. And he said they work, they do so much more great work than him sometimes. You look at them because he says sometimes men, they don't really care. And that's what I like about, you know, the attitude sometimes. It doesn't matter if they know how to do something or not. They just go and try it. Yeah. And I agree with that, that we analyze. Somehow we want to do it perfect. Yeah. It's imposter syndrome. And he was saying one of the women that you work with, she's so good that she should ask for promotion. And he said he was seeing a male colleague that is not as good as her just sitting in the meeting room and ask for a promotion where she should be the one who said, yeah, I want to be promoted. So he was saying how even men, they are noticing that what we're doing and there is men that are very supportive and they really want us to grow and do and just go for it. He sounds amazing. We need, we need more of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And we were talking very freely and openly. I'm like, that's, that's so great. Yeah. And I really want to reinforce that, that there was actually a lot of men who are very supportive in the way that they support women and they support the way that we should stand up a bit more. So it's just that we don't talk too much about that. It's just the one that I want. Yeah, I think <laughs> women do feel the need to be perfect or for everything to be perfect before they can put it in front of people because it goes, again, goes back to that, that imposter syndrome stuff, which is they're afraid to be judged, they're afraid to be rejected, you know, it, and it's so common. As you say, what you're actually talking about there is men who wing it. Men wing it all the time. They like they don't know how to do everything and they don't care. They're just like, yeah, you know what? Doesn't matter. I'll find out later. Exactly. <laughs> we are smart enough to find out and do it. So just have more faith in yourself. Put your hand up for it. Go out and say it. And if you don't know, just say, look, I don't know right now. Go and find out. 
and then go and find out. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great way to finish. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, <laughs> uh, for being on the driver's seat. Yes, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure that a lot of uh, women would probably find your business very helpful. And I hope so. So I will get in touch. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, thank you again for being part of uh, the driver's seat club today. I really, really appreciate your story. It was amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank Harry. you. It was lovely talking Pleasure. to you. <laughs> Loving taking it to you too. Bye. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver's Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.